0: Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Cogar Center Arts Roundup. So my special guest this week on the Cogar Center Arts Roundup is Peter Barton. Peter, welcome to the Cogar Center Arts Roundup.
1: Thank you very much. Glad to be here.
0: So uh, what's your position with Palmetto Opera?
1: Uh... I was brought on board three years ago. I'm finishing up my third season as chair of the board of directors. And then this past year, they added the title artistic director as well.
0: So tell me about Palmetto Opera. How long has Palmetto Opera been operating?
1: Uh, this is our 11th season now, believe it or not, here in Columbia. And uh, I, I, when I took the job three years ago, one of my uh, more depressing moments in any day is when I would meet someone and they would say, Oh, Palmetto Opera. I didn't know Columbia had an opera company. <laughs> and I would sigh and say, "Yes, indeed we do." And this year we're doing La Traviata at the Cogar Center. And uh but I it might be my imagination or perhaps uh optimism, but I I seem to hear it less and less as we get into now our 11th season and we've got a pretty robust advertising and marketing campaign. Uh of course, we're doing this this pod here. And Coger uh, Center, we have a beautiful poster at the Coger Center, eight feet by three feet, that talks about our season. And we're on NPR radio advertising. We're on electronic bil- bil- billboards around town. So I think that uh, more and more, Columbia knows that they have an opera company. And it is actually the only opera company in South Carolina doing grand opera.
0: What is the mission of uh the opera company? Was it started uh, to bring opera education to the masses? Was it started to bring opera to Colombia? What's your mi- mission with the organization?
1: Right, I would say all of the above. Um, I think all opera companies these days, because I, as everyone has heard, our audience is shrinking. And uh, it tends to be a slightly older audience, and so there is a huge effort worldwide and, and certainly it's part of our mission at Palmetto Opera to introduce opera to younger people and, uh, and to young professionals and to high schoolers and middle schoolers as well. And we have an Opera is Awesome program where we go into middle schools and high schools and introduce opera to the students through their choir directors. So
0: I was going to get into this later, but I think this is the perfect segue to it. Um, why opera? Why should people come? See the opera.
1: (laughs) That's a great question. That is the question, right? Um, Now, I'll have to say right off the bat that I'm prejudiced. (laughs) Um, I was, just to tell a quick story about myself, um, I was at 17. I was offered a pop rock contract. uh, And my father laughed and said, "Uh, no, no, you're going to college. And I said, all right. And I had always loved musical theater also. But in becoming a music major and really being serious about voice lessons as an undergraduate, um, if you love the art of singing and the human voice, then the top of the mountain is opera singing. That is the pinnacle. pinnacle. That is, there's, there's, there's nothing like it. And uh, not only from a standpoint of, of the training and, and the long-term gratification of the training. I mean, really, your glory years are, should be your 40s. As juxtaposed to a dancer, where if you're 28, it's, it, you're kind of already <laughs> a little too old when you're trying to break in. But to me, it is, uh, there's so many things. Uh, there was a, uh, I have a doctorate, I will confess, I have a doctorate in music as well. And uh, in one of my courses, I came across a treatise by a French monk uh, that was written, it's probably the first treatise on the voice, written in the 1500s. And he had a great phrase in there. He said, people think of the ear uh, as differentiated skin. But he said, no, no, it's really the other way around, right? That skin is just differentiated ear. Because when we really listen to something that moves us, like an opera aria sung by a beautiful voice with no microphone, then we respond with our whole bodies and we listen with our whole bodies. So and this is
0: more than just, like, goosebumps.
1: It is more than goosebumps, actually, because the, the, that, that the human voice is, is, is obviously has, has grown up with the brain, and the hearing part of the brain is some of the oldest part of the brain. And so when that sound gets inside your inner ear and tickles the cilia, the little hairs in there, it charges your brain unlike almost anything else that, 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 that I can speak to. And when you add the, the emotion and the drama of the theater, which is, opera is theater as well, with that audio experience, there's, there's very little like it. And, and I've known lots of people my age and one in two generations younger who once they get hooked on, on that sound, that, that, that non-microphone, beautiful voice, being able to project over an orchestra into a house of two, 3,000 people for three hours... And be heard easily. Uh, it's there's nothing like it, and and singers, uh, you know, the great. That's why great singers are are so highly prized, and why someone like Luciano Pavarotti was so highly thought of, and why he would get three hundred thousand people to go to a concert in New York City in Central Park.
0: Now, did you find your way to opera through studying music, or when you turned down this? Uh, recording contract, did you already have this love for opera, or was it just musical theater at that time?:
1: it, At that time, it really was musical theater. Now, that was musical theater that was a little more legit from a singing standpoint. So we're talking Rogers and Hammerstein, Lerner and Lowe, Jerome Kern, showboat, Oklahoma um, and And back in the day, a lot of the aspiring opera singers would get their start on Broadway be, with with those beautiful melodies. Today, it, uh, in part because
0: in yeah. that era they they weren't mic'd either. So correct. Mo- m- modern musicals are all mic'd, they're, but that yeah. was a time where you had to fill the house with a natural voice. So they had a similar training background, correct, on how to fill a house, correct. Right. So yeah. it, the jump was maybe easier than it is today.
1: Absolutely. Today, uh, projection and 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 hearing the voice in the last row of the theater is is really not done by the singer it's it's done by the the, The sound man the sound man (laughs) they turn up they turn up the volume so but it but you don't get the same experience as if it's that human voice coming directly to your ear and cranking up its own volume to double forte yeah so anyway um yes so musical theater and as i said as i got more into this incredible art form one of the most difficult on the planet which is this art of singing um, that it, it 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 has fascinated me now for forty plus years, and um, that I think most people would ag- would agree who study voice that opera is the highest level. If you're going to try to sing opera, then that's the that's the most training that you need, and the most years, and the m- you have to be the most in command of your instrument and your art form.
0: Uh, the thing that I always find interesting about opera is the the different ranges, and then mm-hmm. the people who do sort of crossover ranges, uh, and then the people who are you know in between. There's all these interesting terms for people who aren't quite one thing mm-hmm. or another. Mm-hmm. Will you uh, tell us a little bit about the vocal ranges and those sort of mid ranges, and and then um, the other thing is, is that there's these uh, with opera, there are certain types of roles that are assigned. Ki- I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's not written in stone, but when you look at the history of mm-hmm. opera, there are certain uh, character types that go with the different voices. Would would you give us a little short lesson on uh, like the usual? The, you know, we're not going to hold you to
1: this, right? No, you're absolutely right, and I, and I would be happy to. Um, and, and this, is, this is evolved throughout opera, and it's, it's, it's not a slam dunk, but it is very often the case. So doctors and fathers and uncles tend to be more so the basses and baritones. As we all know, the lovers tend to be the tenors. Uh, the higher you sing, the closer you are to God was a lot of what people believed uh, a few hundred years ago. Um, and so that's on the men's side. Now, you can flip it around, and there are roles where the baritone is the lover, but it, not very often. It's usually the tenor. And on the female side, um, in Mozart's time, for example, which is over 200 years ago now, um, there was no mezzo-soprano. You, there were sopranos and contraltos. And then the mezzo-soprano became, the, as they say in German, rule. Role, which is the in between role. And so now we have altos and we have mezzo sopranos and we have sopranos. Now the sopranos tend to again be the heroine and the loved one um, and the sexy one, if you will. And the mezzo sopranos and the contraltos tend to be the mothers (laughs) and the sister, or, uh, you know, as in Macbeth, of course, the witches uh, are the lower voices. So it's it's fascinating how that developed.
0: And you're uh, are you sort of born into one of those vocal ranges or when you study, do you, uh, you know, complete the range through the study? You're smiling. so I I think you understand what I'm asking. This
1: is this is one of the big questions. It really is in vocal pedagogy and the and and in all voice teachers. Uh, You know, uh, one of the first things a young singer will say is, well, what, what's, what's my voice type? What kind of roles would I sing? And when you're getting asked this question from an 18 or a 19-year-old, <laughs> the answer is very often, well, let's wait and see how your voice develops. It could develop down. It could develop up. Um, uh, most voices tend to be bass baritones, which is sort of in the middle. Um, true bassos are very rare, that low old man river type of voice um the uh the how do i want to say the baritone and tenor uh you know I- I- in broadway there's actually a a, a voice a characteristic or role t- called Barry tenor like tony in west side story where it's not really a tenor but it's not really a baritone but it's very high right that's
0: an example of one of those weird middle terminologies a-
1: absolutely but there uh there are really famous examples of people starting out as baritones and eventually finding finding out how to sing in their top range and becoming tenors. And uh, the other way around, a lot of times when tenors get older and can't negotiate the very high notes, they'll end up finding baritone roles that that, that they would rather sing. And really, if you think about our well-tempered clavier and the keyboard and the notes, you know, a, a dramatic high baritone is like a major second or a minor third only difference between a a tenor sound. Uh, Some tenors, it's very, very obvious. They're like, hi, I'm a tenor, you know, and then you'll go, oh, yes, you're a tenor. Uh, But if the voice is bigger, it's really hard to know sometimes, and you have to wait until they're 30, 35 years old to really see which way the voice is going to go. If you have a guy walk up to you and go, hi, hi. I'm a baritone, you know, and you're like, okay, you're a baritone, unless you're manufacturing that sound because you want to sound like a baritone, and then the voice teacher would have to work that out, and he'd, uh, it may be that when you stop manufacturing sound and find your true sound, who knows, you could end up being a tenor.
0: And The same thing on the female side, I imagine.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's a little more easily... No, absolutely it's the same. Obviously, the... Uh, This is very controversial for me to say, but uh, learning how to sing as a male opera singer is more difficult uh, than a female. The female sings in her head voice for the most part. She has to learn how to sing in her chest and middle sound as well, but her money notes are all in the top, right? Men sing all in their chest voice, and that it was about, I think it was in the 1860s. Uh, that it switched and men started to do high notes in a full-throated chest voice, because they used to sing sort of a uh, uh, fortified falsetto in their high range, and that was considered very artistic. And then once the first tenor sang a high C with full voice, then everybody had to to match that. And the, the now we have the gauntlet was thrown. Modern,
0: sorry, the gauntlet was thrown, <laughs> and you had to live up to the challenge.
1: Yes, the the gauntlet was definitely thrown down, and now. You know, the audience waits in the tenor's big aria, and here it wants to go. Okay, let's hear the high notes.
0: Um, So let's get back to um, talking a little bit more about Palmetto Opera itself. Mm -hmm. So Palmetto Opera, again, if you're just joining us, my guest is Peter Barton. Uh, Palmetto Opera is... uh, coming up with their production of La Traviata at the Cogar Center. Um, Palmetto Opera's been around for 11 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about the fact that y- your goal is to sort of educate audiences to bring opera to the Midlands. Um, yes. Uh, tell me more about w- what your programming. How do you bring mm-hmm. opera here to Columbia?
1: Right, exactly. Uh, as I'm sure everyone knows, uh, opera is very, very expensive. Uh, I will give you the example of the Metropolitan Opera in, in New York. And that's one of the reasons they started doing opera at the movie theaters now that, that a lot of you might have attended, is that the Met, when they sell out a performance tickets wise, that covers 12% of their costs. Even if they sell out their performance, that they've still got 88% of their costs to cover, which is why fundraising is so important for every opera and grants, and, and help from the, the municipality that they exist in. So um, along those lines, in, we, we would like to eventually get there, and there is to be doing our own productions, but they're very expensive. Uh, we're very lucky to have a partnership with Teatro Lirico. Uh, a gentleman named Giorgio Laloff has been doing it first in Europe for about 15, 20 years, and now in the U.S. for about 15 years, where he has a touring company that comes through and finds cities that don't have their own full-blown opera company, like a Charlotte, North Carolina, for example. But, um, but, and Columbia's sort of perfect, because it's a, it's a good-sized city, but it doesn't have a full-blown opera community to support opera. So for, for a, I'll say, uh, without getting into numbers, I'll say that us hiring Teatro Lirico to come through town with sets and costumes, contracted orchestra from South Carolina, with local singers in the in the in the chorus and in bit parts, but the major singers all being international opera singers uh, that he auditions out of New York for the most part. Um, we do it for. I'll just do a do a, a relative number. We do it for a fraction. We pay him a fraction of what it would cost us to do it ourselves. And so we're really, really lucky. And uh, we, uh, he's got seven operas that he can put on, and they are seven of the most famous and well-known operas out there. And so seven years ago, we did La Traviata, and now we're doing it again now. And uh, we have, of course, done ones that everyone has heard of, The of Seville, Madame a Butterfly. Next year, in 2021, we'll be doing La Boheme, One of my favorites and lots of people's favorites as well. So we're really lucky that way. We still use the orchestra from Columbia and the Philharmonic Players Play as well. And we pull some instrumentalists from Greenville and and Charleston as well. Uh, We try to use uh, chorus, augment the chorus from local singers also. Um, But the quality of the singing and the sets and the costumes are first rate. And, uh, And we have... Uh, we are getting, obviously finances is, is a big part of this, and we are getting on more and more, this is my third year, and we uh, are getting on more and more solid footing financially to be able to think of expanding perhaps to a third production. Uh, we do our, our full-blown opera that we're doing, La Traviata, on Friday, the, January 17th. At the end of April, we're doing a concert of great moments in Italian opera, with uh, professional singers, and some international, uh, of great moments in Italian opera with orchestra. And that will be at the uh, Spears Recital Hall at Columbia College. And we do a reception after that. We also have a reception after the La Traviata as well, so you can meet the cast. So um, slowly but surely, um, we're uh, augmenting our donor base. expanding our grant writing capability. And we get a grant from the city of Columbia, which we're very, very thankful for. And uh, then as many tickets as we can sell, uh, certainly certainly helps the bank account is also.
0: And you also do some dinner evenings, right? So you, you do yep. some smaller stuff, yep. sort of introductions, I guess, if you will, to uh, opera. Ab-
1: absolutely, right. And uh, we call it our outreach program. And uh, we're 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 threatening to become an institution at the Villa Tronco restaurant uh, on Blanding Street downtown. We've been doing it there for I think I did the very first one when I was getting my doctorate at USC, and that would have been 2009 or 2010. So almost 10 years now, and we do first Thursday uh, at Villa Tronco, uh, brought to you by Palmetto Opera, and it is almost always sold out and so i tell people who go oh i would like to come i say well call two months in advance otherwise you'll be put on a waiting list so that's part of our outreach we 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 want to open that up and do it uh to a cup at least a couple of other venues uh perhaps one in lexington and perhaps another one uh, in forest acres
0: so tell us the story of la traviata so for the newcomer, somebody who says, well, I've never been to an opera. I, mm-hmm. I It's it's going to be in a different language. I won't be able to follow it. Right, um, right. Let's we'll, we'll start with tell people why they should give it a try for the first time mm-hmm. a- and explain sort of what to look for, what to listen for, mm-hmm. and, and maybe tell us the story so when they come in they, they mm-hmm. understand what to expect. It makes it a little easier to follow.
1: Abs- absolutely. And what first comes to mind, believe it or not, is the pop— uh, icon movie, uh, Pretty Woman, where uh, the scriptwriters wrote in that Richard Gere was going to take Julia Roberts, his courtesan, uh, to the opera. And of course, the opera they choose or chose uh, to be playing on the stage, that Julia Roberts is, is a complete crying, tearful wreck at the end of, of watching La Traviata, uh, is La Traviata. And, and I'm, I, I'm sure they did that on purpose, and it's because it's, it is such a moving opera. And it is about a woman uh, in 19th century Paris society who is down on her luck and uh, is, basically becomes a kept woman uh, as a courtesan. And uh, she finds her independence that way uh, and is done with love because love has never treated her right, and men have never treated her right. And uh, lo and behold, in Act 1, she meets Alfredo, uh, a younger man, so she's a little bit of a cougar. And uh, it, believe it or not, is love at first sight, even though she is in denial about it and says no in her famous aria, Sempre Libera, I will always be free, but you know that it's too late. She's Her heart has already been struck, if you will, by love. And so... Uh, Violetta, the el- elder courtesan, and Alfredo, the young man, uh, begin a love affair. And they are deeply in love and incredibly happy. But it is causing a scandal in Parisian society of the 19th century. And uh, Alfredo's father, Germain, the baritone, is very, very upset and thinks that Violetta is simply using Alfredo for his money. Uh and so he, he, he decides to confront her, and he's fully ready to not like her or respect her at all. And in the duet you just heard at the beginning of this uh, interview, uh, he does confront her. And he's uh, really almost shocked to find that she's not taking any money from Alfredo, that she has her own money and is independent, and that she's a lovely woman, and he finds himself respecting her but he still needs to save his son from this and he definitely has his ace up his sleeve which is there is a alfredo has a younger sister who is engaged to a prominent upper crust parisian family and because of the scandal of alfredo having the affair with violetta that upper crust family is going to break off the engagement with alfredo's younger sister and Germain says do you not remember Violetta, when you were young and how you you know, ended up where you are now and could you do that to Alfredo's younger sister and that's there's nothing Violetta can do but to make the sacrifice and she promises Alfredo's father Germain, that she will end the affair and uh, and she does and she does not tell Alfredo why of course and so Alfredo is very, very distraught and there's a big breakup scene at the gambling house which is quite wonderful, and, uh, and I don't know if I should talk about the end or not, but, but, but basically, um, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit too late, and in the last act, of course, Violetta has somehow gotten herself uh, come down with tuberculosis or consumption, and so she is dying, and Alfredo finally uh, ends up getting out of her, his father what went on and why she ended it. And so he runs to her. They have, of course, a beautiful reconciliation love duet. Uh, Germain arrives too. The doctor arrives. And just when everyone is forgiven, uh, and uh, uh, Violetta dies in Alfredo's arms. So something you
0: said very early in the interview was about the emotional charge that you feel with opera, with this live music uh, the voice being unencumbered by microphone and all the rest of it. Um, there, there's a lot of famous opera being used, and I'll use that term in more than more ways than one. Used in uh, today for advertising, for for all sorts of things in we, movies. In movies. Um, do you do you have a favorite uh, sort of? Use of opera outside, uh, you know, off off the stage.
1: You mean besides Bugs Bunny?
0: <laughs> I mean, I I have to hand it to Bugs Bunny. That, I I I think that for me, I mean, that was my entree into opera. There you go. Right? I mean, I. Yep. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. What, uh, yes, yeah, obviously could, you could just be watching cartoons, but in, instead, you, <laughs> what you've got is you know the greatest music ever written, practically. Yeah. Uh, pretty, uh, mu-
1: pretty much, pretty much, um, uh, There's a couple of things I'll say. One is, uh, you know, Elvis Presley is the king, as w- as we know, or was the king, and um, he a lot of his songs were taken from Neapolitan songs or uh, classical Neapolitan songs. "O Sole Mio." that everybody knows, oh sole mio, that, that is beautiful and sung by all the famous opera tenors that have ever lived, pretty much, is actually Elvis Presley's song It's Now or Never. Uh, Suspicion, which is another Elvis' number one song, is the melody of Torna a Sorrento, the famous Neapolitan song, also. So there's just a lot of these classical and opera melodies that have been usurped by pop singers as well. Um, I don't know if people remember, everybody knows, uh, of course, Nessun Dorma, the fame, the aria that Luciano Pavarotti made famous from Puccini's Turandot, um, with his famous Vincero at the end on a high B natural. And uh, I remember watching the movie The Killing Fields about the atrocities in Cambodia um, uh, by the Khmer Rouge. And in the middle, there's a very powerful scene of... of things that the journalist who's trying to report this out has film of, and the director chose to play Nessun Dorma simply because of the emotional impact of it on any audience or any individual who listens to it.
0: It, it created the atmosphere that he thought that it, the film needed. Yes. Without, you could even close your eyes and feel like what, what he wanted you to feel.
1: A- absolutely. Absolutely. And I will say one more thing about opera that, that someone pointed out to me, uh, articulated to where it was really clear, and I said, yes, you're right. And my example would be, uh, the, the, there's a very famous quartet in Rigoletto called the Rigoletto Quartet. And it is Rigoletto and his daughter Gilda, and then the Duke, l- the famous La Dona Immobile guy, who's, who's you know, a rascal, and, and the uh, Magdalena the prostitute. And the quartet is those four people, those four characters singing at the same time. But what's coming at your ear is not only a tenor and a mezzo and a soprano and a baritone, but what, and the, what's coming at you um, is the duke seducing the, the, the prostitute, the prostitute being completely coy and trying to get more money out of the duke, Gilda watching this, completely heartbroken because she's in love with the duke and thought that the duke was in love with her. And then her father Rigoletto plotting revenge and all four of those motives and emotions are coming at you at the same time. And theater can't give you that. And movies can't give you that only opera as drama and as theater because of those four voices sung at once. Um, is, is, is something that you have to experience. And, and certainly there are moments in La Traviata where you will absolutely experience that. Uh, the duet between Violetta and Germain is, is one of those.
0: So this brings up another question I have. For the novice, people sometimes say, well, it's not in English. Like,
1: how am I going to... Hold on one second. You're exactly right. Let me say, before we forget, we have super titles above the stage in English... That, that follow along as the singing goes. So it's really, really easy to glance up with your eyes. You don't have to move your head. You just flip your eyes up, and there it is, and you can completely follow the story.
0: But even if you don't do that, you can still follow the story because of the emotion...
1: Absolutely. The,
0: the emotion transcends the words.
1: I could not have put it better. Yes, the emotion... The emotion app, the, the, the human voice and music... And the emotion that's put out through that instrument absolutely transcends the words. Well, thank
0: you so much for joining us. Is there anything else mm-hmm. that we should say? Uh, obviously, we should say La Traviata, um, presented by Palmetto Opera, is right. going to be at the Cogar Center for the Arts on yeah. Friday, January sure seventeenth. Showtime is at seven thirty. Right. For more information, you can go to CogarCenterForTheArts.com right. or to your or, website.
1: Right. Palmetto Op. Sorry, yeah. Palmetto Opera SC, all one word. PalmettoOperaSC.org. dot org. And I, I can end on this if I have. 20 seconds absolutely all the time great Um, unlike movies and books uh a a question i get a lot is well i would like to be you know uh uh, what's a great first opera to go see i mean no one says what's a great for you know i've never been to a movie what's a great first movie to go see you're like i don't know go see any of them you know but um and it's a fascinating, and, and to why that gets asked is because people see it as a thing apart. And, of course, it used to be the popular art. I mean, it, the, everybody in society went to see the opera, uh, no, no doubt about it. But um, so let me just say that uh, without getting into, you know, why that question gets asked, I will say if you've been wondering about opera and thinking, you know, I should really give it a try, then I will tell you that La Traviata probably gets mentioned more often than than any other opera. As far as if you want to try opera, La Traviata would be a great one to have your first opera as.
0: And then the second answer is, of course, whatever's playing.
1: Exactly.
0: (laughs) Whatever's on, go see it. You don't have to wait for it to be La Traviata. But this year we get lucky because La Traviata is here in Colombia.
1: That's exactly right.
0: So thank you so much for joining us. Our guest this week on the Cogar Center Arts Roundup has been Peter Barton with Palmetto Opera. Uh, They are once again presenting La Traviata at the Cogar Center for the Arts on Friday, January 17th, 7.30 p.m. The Cogar Center Arts Roundup is produced in part by Garnet Media Group the Student Media Partnership at the University of South Carolina. Information about tickets and upcoming events can be found at kogercenterforthearts.com, the official website for Coger Center tickets. For more information about Garnet Media Group, visit garnetmedia.org.